Daniel chapter 3, starting at verse 1. King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold, whose height was 60 cubits and its breadth 6 cubits. He set it up on the plain of Dura, in the province of Babylon. Then King Nebuchadnezzar sent together the satraps, the prefects, and the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the justices, the magistrates, and all the officials of the provinces to come to the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then the satraps, the prefects, and the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the justices, the magistrates, and all the officials of the provinces gathered for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And the herald proclaimed aloud, You are commanded, O peoples, nations, and languages, that when you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music, you are to fall down and worship the golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall immediately be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. Therefore, as soon as all the peoples heard the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music, all the peoples, nations, and languages fell down and worshipped the golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Therefore, at that time, certain Chaldeans came forward and maliciously accused the Jews. They declared to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. You, O king, have made decree that every man who hears the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music shall fall down and worship the golden image. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast into the burning, fiery furnace. There are certain Jews whom you have appointed over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, these men, O king, pay no attention to you. They do not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in furious rage, commanded that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought. So they brought them, these men, before the king. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said to them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image that I've set up. Now, if you are ready, when you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music, to fall down and worship the image that I have made, well and good. But if you do not worship, you shall immediately be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods and worship the golden image that you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar was filled with fury, and the expression of his face was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He ordered the furnace heated seven times more than it was usually heated. 
And he ordered some of the mighty men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to cast them into the burning, fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their cloaks, their tunics, their hats, and their other garments. And they were thrown into the burning, fiery furnace because the king's order was urgent and the furnace overheated. The flame of the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell bound into the fiery furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and rose up in haste. He declared to his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound into the fire? They answered and said to the king, True, O king, he answered and said, But I see four men unbound, walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt. And the appearance of the fourth is like a son of the gods. Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the door of the burning fiery furnace. He declared, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out and come here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out from the fire, and the satraps, the prefects, the governors, and the king's counselors gathered together and saw that the fire had not had any power over the bodies of those men. The hair of their heads was not singed, their cloaks were not harmed, and no smell of fire had come upon them. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him, and set aside the king's command and yielded up their bodies rather than serve and worship any god except their own god. Therefore I'll make a decree. Any people, nation, or language that speaks anything against the god of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego shall be torn limb from limb, and their houses laid in ruins, for there is no other god who is able to rescue in this way. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego in the province of Babylon. Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you that you are our most high God, and that you reign. Thank you again that we can trust you, that you are sovereign and providentially taking care of everything in this world. Nothing catches you by surprise. But help us, Father, as we now come to your word, that we would allow your word to convict us of our sin and, and sanctify us and transform us more into Christ-likeness. Help us to, to trust your word so we can walk faithfully, obediently and humbly with you, Father. Please, Father, be merciful to us. We need wisdom every day to, to walk through our own fiery furnaces so we can exalt and honour your name, so we can lift your name on high. Father, we need wisdom to do this. Please help us. Please encourage us and strengthen us as we come now to see that you rule the furnace. Help us, Father. Help me to be clear and understood. Pray and ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we continue this morning with God Rules the Furnace. And I think it was four Sundays ago we looked at our first thing from Daniel chapter 3, verses 1 to 30, that showed us what led these three men to suffer for God. And the first one was obedience, and we will come to recapping that soon. But the fact is, do we believe that God rules the furnace? When you go through trials and suffering, 
Do you believe that God rules these trials and sufferings? If we look at this story, an, an historical account, it's a true story, you're either going to look at it and doubt it, or look at it and say, this is a myth, this is something that didn't truly happen, this is just a make-believe story, or you're going to be skeptical, or you're going to say, I want proof. Show me proof, then I will believe it. Maybe you find it hard to believe this story, because you say God is a God of love, and if God is a God of love, why would He put His children through such a fiery furnace? Why would He take Shadrach, Mishika, and Abednego and do this to them? Well, we need to know that suffering does exist in this world. And God will put us through suffering like he put these three men through suffering, so that you shall know that I am the Lord. We will know that our God loves us and is there to help us, and the world will see that our God is Yahweh. God is always putting himself on display. God is always showing how great and awesome he is. He's the almighty God who reigns above from heaven and earth. And we need to trust God. But like I said, suffering will be in this world because it's the result of sin we live in a fallen world scripture tells us therefore just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin so death spread to all men because all sinned sin has brought suffering sin has brought death the wage of sin is death because of what adam and eve did and we are all sinners so we will suffer but it doesn't mean that the most sinful people are going to have the most suffering. It doesn't mean, because I'm a pastor, I'm not going to have suffering. It doesn't mean that the wickedest, evilest person out there is going to have the most suffering. No, suffering comes along as God wills it. I mentioned um, Job last time. But think of Joseph. Uh, he suffered for doing good. When Potiphar's wife tried to, to, to come on to him and tried to get Joseph to lie with her, and how he fled and said to her, how can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? And where did Joseph land up after all this? He landed up in prison. He suffered for righteousness. He suffered for doing good. There was no sin in what he did. He lives in a fallen world. And we know Potiphar's wife was lying, but he suffered for righteousness. We too will suffer for doing good. But are you willing to step out and stand up for righteousness and suffer for righteousness? Peter tells us, For this is a gracious thing, when mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. For what credit is it if when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure. But if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. With Christ's suffering, humiliation came, but there was exaltation, there was glorification. And it's the same 
we're going to have suffering. And will we suffer for righteousness? Because this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. We struggle to even suffer for doing wrong. But will we suffer for doing righteousness? When God saved us, He kept us in this world to suffer. But He's not a killjoy God. He's not a God that today He's going to say, I'm going to just zap Mark and do something to him. He's not going to say, well, today I'm going to just make Willem suffer. Suffer comes through wrong choices as well. But you can also make right choices and suffer for it. Just like Joseph made a right choice and fled from Potiphar's wife. And he suffered for it. Suffering will come. But it's also to test us. To see if we're going to trust in God as we suffer. And it will also test us to see if we'll bring great glory and honor to his name. Just like God tested the Israelites in the wilderness to see who would they be faithful to. Who would they honor? Who would they glorify? But we need to continue to look at what led these three men to suffer for righteousness. What led these three men in verses 1 to 30 to stand up for the truth and to suffer for righteousness? Well, let's recap our first thing that we looked at four Sundays ago. And our first thing that led these three men to suffer for God was obedience. Obedience to God was what led these three men to suffer. Like I said, suffering will come through trials of various kinds. James warns us, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. A trial will come our way. If you're trying to live a life in safety, you're on dangerous ground. A lot of people think they can build empires, walls around them, and they're safe. But they forget there's something they have no control over. Disease, illnesses, sickness. How do you, how do you, how do you prepare for that? You can't. You can't even prepare your property for safety because you don't know who's going to drop something out the sky at any moment. So suffering will come our way. And trials will come our way. And for us, it could come in the form of our government, our world saying we're no longer to worship Jesus as Lord and Saviour. We're no longer to speak that Jesus is the way and the truth and life. No one comes to the Father but through me. We're no longer to come to church on a Sunday. What will we do? Will we submit? Will we just bow down, fall down and say, Yes, sir, we hear you. We will do our own thing until such and such a time. Or will we be like Peter and the apostles and say, we must obey God rather than men? Will we be obedient to God? Or will we compromise and bend God's word to fit in with the world? We must be careful. We might be living like that as it is. Will we risk our lives in obedience to God and God who rules the furnace? Just like Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego risk their lives they were not willing to bow down to the golden image on a babylonian plane and the reason for this enormous statue is all about worship who are you going to worship me or your god 
The king was showing authority. He wanted control over the people. He wanted the people to worship his statue and who he worshipped. And like I said last time, the word worship is mentioned ten times in this passage. This passage is about worship. It's not about, oh, look, look at this passage. Oh, God has delivered. What a great God. Look how he delivered the three men from the fiery furnace. And now I can take that and hold fast that every trial that comes my way, God's going to deliver me. No, it's not teaching us that. It's teaching us worship. Will we worship God through the fiery furnace? Will we hold fast our confession of faith? Keep our eyes fixed on the perfect and author of our faith, Jesus. Will we trust Jesus? Will we be like these three wise men and not bow down to King Nebuchadnezzar's commands? The problem with King Nebuchadnezzar, he doesn't mind people serving other gods. The world wouldn't mind us serving our God who we serve. As long as we put him second and them first. That's what the world wants. They want their God, their worldviews, their understanding, their whatever philosophy they want it to be above everything else. But you can have your God but as long as you agree and you fit in with our system. You can serve whatever God you choose as long as it is clear that your God takes second place to the king. And that's what the king wanted. Satan, the prince of, of the world, tried to do that to Jesus. The devil took Jesus to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their, and, and their glory. And he said to him, all these I will give to you, Jesus, if you fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, be gone, Satan. Be gone. For it's written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. If Satan and the world and everything try to get Jesus to fall down and worship them, do you think we're going to be neglected? No. Every day we get into a situation where the world wants us to bow down to them and worship them. And it was Jesus' obedience that led him to do his Father's will, to keep his Father's word and prevent him from falling down and worshipping Satan. Obedience is so important to our walk with God. In Samuel we read, Has the Lord... Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifice as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to listen than fat, the fat of rams. How obedient was Jesus? How obedient are we? And we see obedience worked out in, in these three wise men as well. They chose to be obedient. They chose to not bow down. They do not fall down and worship immediately. And they were told, if they don't do that, they're going to be thrown into a fiery furnace. All of you have been near a fire. It's not a nice thing when, when you get closer and a hotter and hotter it gets. And when you burn your finger on something, you might be, have lit in your gas stove and you burn yourself on a match if you have to light it with a match. Or you touch a hot plate and it, that, that heat, it, it stings, it's sore. Who wants to be thrown in a fiery furnace? No ways. These three men, they stand up for God. And standing up for God will often be a lonely activity. 
Sometimes it takes one man like Martin Luther to stand up for the truth and suffer for it. Will we stand up for the truth? Will we be obedient? Will we stand alone like Jesus stood alone and he suffered? He was falsely accused for even speaking the truth. The Son of God, innocent, upright, blameless. He suffered and died on the cross. And it was his obedience. His suffering led to obedience. He learned obedience through suffering. So this first thing, you can go listen to the sermon that was preached, I think, on the 26th of September. You can go listen to it and you can see it fleshed out more. But now we need to come to our second thing that led these three men to suffer for God. And it was their faithfulness to God. Which we see in Daniel chapter 3 verses 13 to 30. Our responsibility going through the fiery furnace is to stand firm and remain faithful to God and His Word. And is it easy? No. It is not easy. It's easy to lean on our own understanding. It's easy to be wise in our own eyes. But God who rules the furnace wants us to be faithful to Him. He's given us the resources. He's given us His Word. He's put His Spirit in us. And the Word and the Spirit strengthen us and encourage us. You can't live the Christian life without God's Word. You can't just assume God is going to just zap something in your life and make you happy. He can supernaturally take things away. But He's given us His Word to grow us in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Christian life is active, not, not passive. We actively got to be involved. You're not just sitting here on a Sunday learning, listening to a sermon and think that's enough for the week. No. You've got to be in the Word daily. You've got to try to get to prayer meeting. You've got to try to get to home fellowship group and grow in knowing God, getting to know yourself, and then you can learn to love God and love the world or the people in the world. Love your neighbor as yourself. We must stop questioning God when we go through fiery furnaces. We live in a world where we're always trying to work God out. Why? What does it profit us? Why do you need to know what's going to happen to you now when you go through a trial? Why do we need to always want to see, visualize, and, and, and bring in that, that sense? God just wants us to be faithful, obey Him, and trust Him. Isaiah 12, 2 says, Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust, and I will not be afraid. Why? For the Lord God is my strength and my song and He has become my salvation. And my song, when you listen to a song, it brings a joy to your heart. It changes your whole mood. Is God a song to your heart? Is the joy of the Lord your strength? We mustn't rely on, on temporary things to bring us great joy to our hearts. We must allow God's Word and God to be a song to our heart. And become our salvation. He's our rescuer. Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. They stood firm and they remained faithful to God. I mean when the king was told. That these three men disobeyed him. The king flew into a rage. Why? Because they challenged his authority. But he was also gracious to a certain degree. He gave him a second chance. He did give them a final choice, that if they do not fall down, they would be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. And cheekily he says, And who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands, says the king? I'm the king. 
I'm God in one sense. Who's going to deliver you? What courage, what strength, what boldness did these three men have? And how they answered the king. They said to the king, We have no need to answer you in this matter. Are we willing to stand up for the, the, this world that throws so much dirt at us? So, much li- so many lies? About same-sex marriage, about transgender, about abortion. They're just lying to us all the time. Who are we to listen to you? We will listen to our God. Because He has the truth. And we want to hold on to the truth. But none of this is going to be easy. Because we need grace, mercy. We need each other. But these three men, we have no need to answer you in this matter, King. If this be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning fire of furnace. And he will deliver us out of your hand, O King. Meaning, he can deliver us physically from the fiery furnace, or if we die in the fiery furnace, he has delivered us from your hand, O King. We will never see you again. He's taken us away from you. Are we willing to face trials that are a matter of life and death? And trust God who will deliver us either through death or from death. These three men say to the king, But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. We're not bowing down to your golden image because he is not our God. He is an idol. And he is not worthy to be worshipped or praised. These three men were not willing to gain the whole world and forfeit their soul. How are we doing? Are we forfeiting our soul in this world? Are we gaining the world at the expense of our soul? Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would have his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? You can understand an unbeliever doing this. But it does make no sense when a Christian knows this and goes out there and he continues to forfeit his soul to gain the whole world. That he'll put God's word aside to gain the world and still say, I believe God, I trust God, and I go to church. Meanwhile, he pushes God away. And he will end up forfeiting his soul. For what can a man gain, give in return for his soul? Whoever is ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation. That's exactly what this world is like. It's an adulterous world. It's a sinful world. Of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. I don't know what you're chasing after. I think of the youth, the teens. What are they chasing after? Who's your idol? Is it a rugby player? Is it a soccer player? They can do nothing for you except mislead you into that they're happy and that they have everything. Except they don't have everything unless they have Jesus Christ in their life. The greatest treasure of all things. He became poor so that we could become rich in Him. In His blessings, in His Word, in Him, so we can endure this life. We will either be faithful 
to God or we will be faithful. Unfaithful. But Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, they weren't interested in what the king was doing. They weren't going to bend, compromise the law. They were willing to burn in the fiery furnace. They didn't care if they were not miraculously delivered or if they would burn. But like I said, they would not compromise their commitment to God. Their motto was, live or die, they would be faithful to their God. And we are living in a time when a lot of people believe in God, come to church, but I personally think they're using God to get something out of Him. Blessing, prosperity. The reason why we come to church is worship. And God will give to us what He wants to give to us if it's us to be successful or prosperous. You've just got to look at Paul, the greatest apostle. On the one hand, he had nothing. On the other hand, he had everything. On the one hand, he, he was shipwrecked. On the other hand, he was left for dead. There was time when he was in want and there was time when he was not in want. But he learned to be content. If God was a God of prosperity and success, Paul would have just flown and he would have had all the riches following behind him. But that's a lie to say that if we come to church, we will be prosperous and successful. No. We come to church to worship God, to honor Him and glorify His name. And then we go out there and be the salt and the light. Or people come to church because they, they're sick. And they worship God because they want God to get rid of their cancer. Instead of saying, you know what God, thank you for my health. Bad or good health, live or die, I will be faithful to your word. True, sound, believing Christians will be faithful to God who rules the furnace. They won't be perfect, but you'll see them trusting God, speaking highly of God. They will look to God and they will trust His word, His grace, His wisdom, His love. They will trust the people in the church to help them and pray for them. And so that is how we build each other up. You need to be in the Scriptures so you can allow God's Word and the Holy Spirit to help you so that you can remain faithful. The most important thing is when you go through a fiery furnace is to pray for wisdom and ask God to keep you faithful and obedient to His Word. To, 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 to remain faithful to the Scriptures and not compromise. We can go to certain scriptures and find great comfort in Hebrews chapter 13 verses 5 to 6 where it says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what can man do to me. Or Romans 8, 31 to 32 and then jump to 38. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He did not spare his own son, but gave him up. For us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? For I'm sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Are we willing to trust the Scriptures? Are we willing to remain faithful to those promises that are given to us in the Scriptures These three wise men stood firm in God. 
And we are told in, in verses 19 to 23 of Daniel chapter 3 that the king was filled with fury and ordered the furnace to be heated because they weren't willing to bow down to his command and worship his statue. It's strange that the men that brought them to the furnace are the men that got burnt up. That is, that is just a miraculous God. That is a supernatural God. It's like me taking Willem and throwing him in the fiery furnace, the one who deserves to burn. He doesn't burn, but I burn. And I've done nothing wrong. I'm just obeying the king. That shows you, in one sense, it could be a visible indication that the unbeliever is not going to get away with his sin and lifestyle that he's living without God. That he's going to be punished for it one day, either now or in the future judgment. But it showed that the believer, the three wise men, they were righteous and they were delivered because they were right with God. And in the fiery furnace, there's a fourth person. Now, I'm not going to go into detail and, and say this person could be Christ before his incarnation or could this, this could be a manifestation of an angel of God. You can go around and read and decide for yourselves. But I like what someone said. We can say it is the fourth man who was both the companion and protector of his servants. And what, it, what it's saying is that you're not alone when you're suffering. God is present and God is able to send someone to help you. It could be for, in, in, in form of a believer. You, you, you're in a situation where maybe you, you're financially in a dwang and you're praying and then someone knocks on your door and there's this, this, this family and they want to help you and they want to loan some money to you or give you some money. God has sent both a protector and a helper. We must, we must, we've got to learn to get, well, Lord willing, next week and the following Sunday, we can look at pride and humility from chapter 4 of, of Daniel. But there's too much pride in our, in our lives. I find it very hard, and maybe someone can help me understand this, but when you want to offer someone a meal and they refuse, they say, no, 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 I'm fine, no, no. Meanwhile, they need it. Meanwhile, they would love it, but they're too proud to say, thank you, I need it, and it's really going to be a great help. And what you're doing, you're stifling that person from sharing their gift, from using their gift to glorify God. We must stop. If I offer Russell help, he should say, thank you, Mark, I need it. Why do you think we're Christian? Because we need God's help every day. If you, don't, if you can't receive help from someone, then you're not going to receive help from God. You're too proud. To allow God to come into your life. And we see what happens to a proud man, King Nebuchadnezzar, and what it does to him and humiliates him to become a humble man, Lord willing, next week. But are we faithful? Will we trust God? If you can just take these four words home, take these four words home from the Bible when you're going through the fiery furnace. Emmanuel, God with us. That's all we need. We don't need anything else. We just need to know whatever I'm going through now, God is with me. And I'm going to trust Him. And this is what these three men did. And like I said, Daniel chapter 3 is not about deliverance, but it's about faithful worship. They were delivered supernaturally from the fiery 
furnace. But like I said, it's amazing. The fire had no power over their bodies. The hair of their heads were not singed. Their cloaks were not harmed and no smell of fire had come upon them. You know what it's like when the mountain's burning and that smoke just comes down and engulfs the Robertson and then everything is just left afterwards. Like a few days later, everything smells of smoke. Nothing like that. Their hairs weren't singed. Their clothing was not burnt. What is this doing? This is showing us how great and awesome our God is. How He is sovereign over everything and He rules everything and He protects His children if He wills. He didn't protect Jesus on the cross. Jesus died through the fiery furnace, the fiery wrath of God and died to forgive our sins. But He was delivered on the other side. He was exalted. God our Father is always there to help us. Are we willing to open up our arms and allow Him to come in and encourage us and comfort us? If you struggle, go speak to a brother and sister for help. Go pray. Pray with one another. Pray for one another. Pray with one another. And look at the results. You know, if we, if we were truly, maybe I can't really say this, but I'm going to say it. If we were truly honoring God in everything we did, those who live godly lives will be persecuted. And if we are living godly lives through our persecution, it could be in the form of verbal persecution or physical persecution, or you get fired from your work. Are we showing the world that we serve a great God? So the world will turn around and say like King Nebuchadnezzar did, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego who has sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him and sent his angel and delivered his servants and set aside the king's command and yielded up their bodies rather than serve and worship any god except their own god. Therefore I make a decree that all the people will bow down now and worship their god. It doesn't mean King Nebuchadnezzar is saved. This is just lip service. He's just lipping things like people do today as Christians. They honor God with their lips, but their hearts are far from Him. God sees the heart. We only see in the next chapter when King Nebuchadnezzar is humble and then he truly repents and trusts in the true living God. His heart was far from God. He only gave lip service. And look what happens. I believe that those who honor God, God will honor them. God rewards us. He gives us earthly rewards if we honor Him. He rewarded. The king promoted Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego in the province of Babylon. It was all for the good and glory of God and His people. Because who was in Babylon? Who had been exiled into Babylon? The Jews, the Israelites. Their God had put Jews in charge to help take care of the Jews on the ground. God is always watching over his, his children and His people. That's why it's so important for us to remain faithful and obedient to God and His Word. And I'll close with, with, with a lovely scripture, which I did last time with 2 Corinthians chapter 5. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14 and 15 reads, for the love of Christ controls us. Because we have concluded this. That one has died for all. Therefore all have died. 
And he, that's Jesus, died for all, that those who might live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. We've been bought with the precious blood of Christ. We're not our own. Who are we living for? Are we living obediently and faithfully for the glory of God? Are we living for Him? Or are we living for ourselves? Are we trusting in the world? Are we compromising, bending the gospel to fit in with the world? What does the world see when you leave this building? We see friendly faces. We see brothers and sisters in Christ. But what does the world see? What does your neighbor see? What do the people in your workplace see? What do the shops see? Do they see people honoring, glorifying God, lifting their God's name up on high because they are faithful and obedient through the furry, through the fiery furnace? Let's pray. Father, we thank you again for your, your word, the sacred scriptures. Thank you that there is so much for them to teach us. But Father, I pray that whatever fiery furnace we are going through at this present moment, that you would give us wisdom to, to walk obediently with you and faithfully with you. That we would look to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, and trust in him knowing that in him is hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So help us, Father. Help us not to bow down to this world. Help us not to fall down to this world. But forgive us when we do, Father, because we are often falling down to this world. We are often bowing down to the world and compromising the truth. But Father, we need a generation, a, a remnant, a, 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 a church that will stand up for the truth and fight the good fight, that they will, that they will be like army, be like the soldier, that they'll be like the farmer, be like the teacher, that they would really fight the good fight. So Father, please help us to remain faithful to your word and obediently to your word as we go through the fiery furnace. Help us not to serve other gods or worship them, but worship and serve the Creator God. You created all things and has made all things and is worthy to be praised and worshipped because He is our God. He is our helper the creator of heaven and earth. Help us, Father. Forgive us. Pray in us this all in Jesus' name. Amen.